This podcast made possible by our good friends at Tardy's Collector's Corner. Like them on Facebook, follow them on Twitter and Instagram, and be sure you're checking for all the latest and greatest at Tardy's. Also brought to you by Grand Rapids Comic Con, November 9th through the 11th, 2018 at the DeVos Place. Tickets on sale now at grcomiccon.com. Hi there, I'm Ryan Reynolds. I'm a close personal friend of the Court of Nerds. We were shooting Deadpool 2 when they came on set and I said, hey, let's do some butt stuff and put that in the credits. Okay now, bye-bye then. Hello and welcome to another scintillating episode. Isn't that what Drew always says? Scintillating. Always always says scintillating. Always. I'm no replacement for Drew, but I'm Stacy, and sitting across from me is my dear friend Sledge. And you are not... Not to be confused, this is not a Sledge and Hammer cast. Uh, uh, no, but like I think this is our our slow uh, build up to complete media domination. This is true, and I mean we've got Comic Con coming up here at the beginning of November, so I think everybody's kind of taking a a break to prepare. Uh, for all the panels and whatnot that we're hosting at the Grand Rapids Comic Con. Yeah, I won't be so, there this year. You won't be there. I won't be there. Oh, come on, man. I know. I'm sorry. Like uh, overlap. I'm, I'm, I'm coaching. You know, I got all the dad things that are going on now that my son. All the in. dad stuff. Yeah. So what you're saying is, is that we are less important than your child. Uh, that is the long and the short of it. Yes. Well, I mean, I guess I'm gonna have to accept that how it is. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what are you drinking tonight? Oh, I love I love how we automatically bring this into the main cast. Uh, I am drinking uh, Two Roads Road to Ruin. It is a double. Mm. It is a double IPA. That's, oh, I take back my interest. Oh yeah, it, it, it's about uh, a nine and a half percent. It's around one hundred and twenty IBUs. Uh, it is a big punch in the face of bitter, and uh, it is essentially what I live by, uh, right now. And, uh, you know, since I'm, I'm soloing for the week, since my wife is out of town, uh, yeah, that's, this, this will fuel me. Party! <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm being a basic white girl tonight and finishing off. Oh, a mimosa. My, mm. my mimosa mixture that I got to celebrate, um, turning 30 and cleaning up some trash. That was left over from my 20s out of my life. So well, you don't look a mix. day over 29. Aw, shucks. <laughs> it's probably a good thing you're not coming to Comic-Con. <laughs> Thanks, Doc. It's been a blast, truly. Pleasure. What are you going to do now? Ah, oh, you know. Back in the box. There's loads to see. By yourself. Yeah, I suppose. Do you want to come for tea at mine? Definitely. Yes, I would. Thanks. I love tea. Tea at Yaz's is amazing. Uh, let's jump right in. Um, <laughs> it's been a minute, and Doctor Who is back on. It is. And we're going to start it off with that because I'm hosting, so suck it. Uh, Doctor Who, you know... B-Stick came on a while ago when they had announced that Jodie Whittaker was going to be taking over for 
um, Peter. Oh my God. I can't remember his name. That's terrible. Peter Capaldi. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was kind of like, like I've had enough with this whole, like, well, men have already done it. So that means that we've got to do it now too. And we got to do it better. Like, why can't we come up with our own thing? Why does it have, why do we have to take everything and make it like feminists? Like I was fine with Dr. Who just being a man. And the only way that he functions properly and survives is through a female companion who literally like runs his life and brings him back to humanity. To me, the more powerful character is the companion characters. But I have to admit I mean, I liked Peter Capaldi. He was okay. I think the writing failed him uh, a lot. Uh, but since Jodie Whittaker took over, like the first episode, I was kind of like, oh, I don't know if I'm feeling this, which is how I feel in all fairness. That's how I feel about any new Doctor Who because David Tennant forever has my heart. That I can agree with. Um, I recently rewatched up through the end of David Tennant with a friend of mine. And she has refused to watch anything past David Tennant because uh, her heart is still broken. <laughs> wow. Okay. So well, I, uh, fair. I didn't like Capaldi at all. Really? Not, not even a little. <laughs> not. Wow. Did you watch all of his? No, seasons? I did not. Like I probably made it four episodes and uh, I was like, I'm done. Stephen Moffat got way too into the writing, and he made it so dense you couldn't follow anything. Mm. I, I again, like I, I don't mind necessarily esoteric and convoluted storylines. I mean, it's Doctor Who after all. Uh, it's just like his portrayal of the Doctor. I, uh, it just didn't, you know, resonate with me. And so when Jodie Whittaker, you know, came up for it uh, and, you know, landed the role, I was actually kind of excited to, to, to see what she would do with it. And uh, I, I take an opposite approach. I, I would love to see more gender swapped roles uh, in, uh, in Hollywood or in, you know, British cinema and, or what have you. And I, I would like to, to see different takes on these things. Uh, you know, it doesn't have to be controversial. I, I think if you're making it controversial, I mean, it's kind of underlying, you know, kind of a little bit of sexism, you know, uh, we don't, I mean, it's just a role. It's just a character. Uh, so we don't, it doesn't really matter, you know, the, whether the person has two X chromosomes or, or an X and a Y. I... I think it's just so near and dear to my heart. That's why I get upset about it. Mm. But I, I, I do admit, I feel like they've gone back to the roots of Doctor Who, which I'm quite pleased about. Um, tell, tell the most. Yeah, go ahead. Go tell ahead. tell us about your uh, feelings on the on the pilot. So I, I think that the first episode. Um, I won't give away too many spoilers. The the TARDIS gets mixed up because it's trying to land on a planet that has moved. 
Mm. So the coordinates that the TARDIS knows are not the coordinates of the planet, and it gets really confused, and it actually, like, throws the group out of the TARDIS and gets stuck in this, like, state of, of uh, I don't even know what they call it, when it goes whoop, 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 like, mm. it gets stuck. It can't land. Yeah. So they're on this planet, and they get mixed up in this game, which is basically, like, Amazing Race, but the universe version. <laughs> and people die. Like, you either die or you win. That's the only choice. So it was nice because there weren't a whole lot of... It was very easy to watch. There weren't... There's nothing convoluted about it. It still had, like, the whimsicalness to it, had the disappointments, but it also, like... Brings everything together, wraps it up in a nice tiny little bow, and away you go. Hmm. So the most recent episode has actually gotten a lot of praise. Um, it's a an episode about Rosa Parks. Oh, really? And yes. Hmm. So I was moderately uncomfortable watching it because, you know, it's 2018 and some of the stuff, um, like uh, a, a white lady drops a handkerchief and one of the companions, who is a black man, mm-hmm. and they're in um, Georgia, I think. Okay. Yeah, Georgia. And uh, he picks it up and goes to, like, hand it to her. And her husband, a gigantic white man, slaps him across the face and, like, threatens him. Like, how dare you touch a white woman? Mm-hmm. And I was just sitting there, like, I'm glad that no one's here because this makes me incredibly uncomfortable that anybody would ever have thought to have done that in the first place. It wasn't the fact that I was watching it that made me uncomfortable. It was that it it, it really wasn't that long ago that that happened. Like, uh, it's happening. My mom now. was alive. It's happening when all of that now. shit was going down. It yeah, is, and it's happening now. It is happening now, and uh, all these things we felt that we've excised. Uh, you know, through the beginning of civil rights and the Great Society programs have been, I don't, well, they've been, the Great Society pro- programs have been eroded away. Uh, and, you know, the Voting Rights Act uh, was not renewed. And we're seeing a resurgence. Uh, and I don't want to d- demean the South because it's not just the South. Like, there are things that are happening all over this country. Uh, and it is sickening, and the thing is, the rest of the world sees it because we constantly broadcast it. And well, we're supposed to be the leaders of the free world, aren't we? Yeah, weren't we're, Yeah, the what the, happened to that? The city on the hill that that Reagan so eloquently put, or Reagan's speechwriter put in for him to say. Uh, but yeah, the city on the hill uh, is now like uh, a sewer pipe. It is it is kind of sickening, and that, and so when you now we've seen this, and we're going to get in a little sludge and hammer territory with with you know British media portraying America, uh, where you know re- remember when Clarkson, Hammond, and May went through the Deep South, and they you know uh, oh god oh yeah, and and they they wrote <laughs> Do you they wrote you know man love okay on cars and. <sighs> Uh, Hillary Clinton uh, for president in 2020, uh, which, yeah, 
And, uh, you know, they got shot at, uh, they had all, and it was kind of a portrayal, like, this is the worst of America being displayed. Well, this is, this is like normal news now, uh, and the rest of the world sees this, and it's kind of, well, of course they're gonna talk about it. Of course they're gonna put it in their popular culture, and they're gonna display it for the rest of the world to see. And, uh, all we can do, like, yeah, you felt uncomfortable well, we should feel uncomfortable, man. Like, this is bad. I think if more people would understand that, yes, this stuff does happen. And it happens everywhere. It doesn't just happen in the Deep South. It doesn't just happen in England. Like, it's happening everywhere. Yeah. The media portrayal of it, I think, is what you, you, you said um, that really struck a chord with me, and that is that we need to have a better understanding of media literacy and and how to how to strip away the buzzwords and the clickbait and the bullshit that they're just trying to, they're just trying to make ends meet so that they have a job and i understand that but when you have literally like the safest and least poverty-stricken time on the friggin' planet, you would think that the world is burning. And and some parts of it are. I'm not going to deny that. But we are in the least... um, there's There's a chart that has all of the wars and all the violence. It's the least violent time on the planet. And it continues. And somehow, to, yeah, it continues. It to continues be less, to though. get better. Yeah, but you would think now that you know the world is burning way more than it was during World War II. It's like every, you're just inflaming all of these tensions because people click on your stuff, and that gives you ad sales, and that perpetuates your business, which gives you a paycheck. Like you're completely biased in trying to to sell the media that you're you're portraying and that you're giving out. Like, ben is probably one of I love reading um shout out to Ben Raven. Um I love reading his articles no matter what they're about. Half the time I don't even know what he's talking about. <laughs> but I read them anyways because he is actually a journalist. Mm. He's not a sensationalist. He's a journalist. I know if I read the first paragraph, I'm going to get the gist of the article. If I want the really good, juicy stuff, i got to go to the very end. Like, he writes like a journalist should write. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Court of Nerds main cast where we talk about ethics in journalism. <laughs> Seriously, whenever me and you get together, we go way off topic. I know. We go a little meta on some of our stuff. But back back to the coolness. Yeah. I like Jody Whitaker. I like she uh, she makes a new sonic screwdriver, which is actually pretty cool. Um, I think that she is going to be fantastic. I already have warmed up to her, and it's only the fourth episode, and I haven't had to rewatch it. Mm. So I think she's going to be great. I'm very much looking forward to the rest of the season and the Christmas special because I absolutely love the Christmas special. One of Baroon's competitors, no doubt. Wants to stop me before I stop them. Well, can't you just run in a magical way? Who the hell do you think I am? Benedict Bloody Cumberbatch? Uh, well, go and stop me!
Enough with Doctor Who, even though I could talk about it all night. I don't want to spoil it for anybody because you should go watch it. Um, has your life been changed since you watched Constantine, Kevin? Uh, what? Probably not as much as you and Drew. Uh, what we're talking about is the latest uh, DC animated feature release of Constantine, City of Demons. Uh, yeah, otherwise known as the movie that will melt your face off if you're not sure what you're getting into. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, so, uh, we'll, mild spoiler warning, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it a bit. It's been out for about two weeks now. Uh, well, Not two- enough to really, for yeah. us to see, say like, you suck it up, you should have seen it by now. Yeah, it, you know, uh, I don't actually, I think it hasn't even hit Blu-ray yet. I think we've, it's just been digital. Uh, oh really? Yeah. Wow, well, we're ahead of the curve. Oh well, yeah, that's we're bleeding edge. We're the court nerds. Uh, the <laughs> the movie itself, it is it is a deep kind of dive into. I don't want to necessarily say demonology because uh, it's not. It, it, you know, it, it's DC uh, demon verse uh, and. Uh, Coming from somebody that is so versed in Warhammer and Warhammer 40K, it was very reminiscent to me of how you depict, you know, essentially demons. Uh, It's bloody, it's gruesome, uh, it is salacious, uh, and and so like in 40K, you've got essentially the main four gods of chaos. You've got Slanesh, which is pain and pleasure. You've got Nurgle, which is uh, disease and pestilence. You've got corn, which is blood and violence uh, and death, and you've got uh, the the fate weaver uh, that will essentially is the the god of change and and essentially manipulating things throughout all time. And when you see something like Constantine, City of Demons, you can see all of those kind of aspects being brought to life. Uh, in fact, the the main villain is uh, a demon named Nergal, uh, which uh, honestly wears several different guises uh, over the course of the entire film, uh, and there are other major players and stuff in it as well. But it, it's it's essentially a little bit of a mind fuck uh, as you go throughout the film trying to judge what's good and what's bad. And to me, that's very reminiscent of 40K because there's no good guys. There's never a good guy. There's just less bad. And uh, when you when you kind of piece it all together and you kind of see what's going on and you see when you make choices, your choices are either trying to be something that's really bad or something that's slightly less bad. And what are you willing to sacrifice for that less bad choice? And amongst the gratuitous violence. Among, amongst what is, I, I will readily admit, borderline snuff film. I mean, it's, Drew and I watched it together. We were trying to watch something else. And he's like, well, see if you can find Constantine. Like, maybe we can watch that. So I pulled it up. And I was like, cool, man. Like, we both had hard weeks. You know, mm. I ended a relationship. He's had just thing on top of thing happen to him. Um. And I'm like, let's watch something, you know, light. And he's like, throw on Constantine. And I, was, I should have known. Yeah. I should have known better because it's Constantine. And we're sitting here watching it. And there are points where I'm just sitting there and I look at him and he looks at me and I was like, what are we watching? Like, what is this? Because 
I'm not drunk enough. There are to there really are moments okay of, of levity, like there are some there there are some like winks at the audience. One like the actualization of John Constantine's inner demons. I laughed out loud. Like I will admit that, even though he's like there blood and guts and gore and stuff that is like <laughs> going all over the place. They're his inner demons. It's hilarious. Uh, and then there's of course you know when they're fleeing the hellhounds. Uh, and his friend tells him, well, can't you just, you know, make them all disappear or something? He goes, who do you think I am? Bloody fucking, cum- you know, gu- uh, Cumberbatch? Benedict Cumberbatch. Ben- Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, whoa. Hey. Nice little fourth wall break there. Yeah, that was great. That was absolutely great. Uh, now, is it a good film? Yes, it is a very good film, but only for about 5% of the comic book watching audience. See, and I'm not, I'm not necessarily a, I would consider myself more of a comic book person than ever before, Mm -hmm. just because y'all have kind of dragged me into it. I did read, we should, we should like touch on Batman Damned too, because Mm -hmm. Constantine is actually in that. Uh, This was the comic book that uh, you get to see uh, Batman's Dick Grayson, uh, or rather an outline of said Dick Grayson Mm -hmm. Um, and Constantine is in it. And when we were trying to put together the list, I kept thinking about that comic book that I read and I kept getting it mixed up because one thing that DC has done really well and that I'm actually really proud of them for is he is that character in anything that I've seen recently. Mm. Like, he doesn't change. He's haunted by demons. They're, like, floating around him, and he tells them to shut up, and the people around him are like, this dude is psychotic. Yeah. And you're, they're absolutely right. And the guy who voices um, the guy who voices Constantine, I think his name's, like, Ryan something, um, he was in the TV show that the CW had on for, like, one season. Apparently was not well done. I didn't get through it, and I'm not a comic book fan, and maybe that's what I needed to be to watch it. So maybe I'll try watching it again. But yeah, was, I just felt like my my face was melting off during parts of this because I'm like, this is – I should have been prepared before I sat down and watched it. It's fantastic. I enjoyed it. Um, but I'm not a super comic book nerd. I enjoy it. I enjoy the culture. And I enjoy some of the books. Um, but I've never really gotten into Constantine, except for like the Keanu Reeves movie, which oh god, yeah. yeah. See, most comic book people, that's their reaction. They're like, "Oh, that sucked." It's like, yeah, but for someone who doesn't like comic books, for the layman, I thought it was cool. Well, and and here's the th- like Hellblazer, uh, John Constantine uh, has mm-hmm. been around in in it. He he was always a B list character for such an even C list character uh for a large portion of his comic existence and it hasn't been until recently that he's been brought kind of forth and put forth in the mainstream. Like Justice League Dark, you know, uh the 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 did you see Justice League Dark, you know, the animated go 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 over to Drew's, I'm sure he has it. Uh, I don't think I've seen that one. Oh yeah, there's Dead Man in it, Batman uh, and John Constantine. Uh, it, it's a it's a fairly decent film. Uh, my wife actually really liked it. Uh, I did not watch this one with my wife, uh, and uh, she she left for the week. Uh, and I was like kind of tempted. 
last night and was like, oh, should we watch this? And you guys kind of warned me. Uh, it was like, no, you should probably watch it solo. And eh, it's a good thing, <laughs> you know, because, yeah, she wouldn't have, it wouldn't have sit well with her. No, too much, too violent. Mm. And it's gory, just, and and it's chill, and there's yeah, also really, children, like the the really the, gory. Yeah, it's the ch- the children in peril, uh, and the essentially abusive children. That is the the work. It is depraved, you know, and it will tug at any you know person's heartstrings and stuff like that. And and the resolution of the story, it doesn't resolve. You know, it essentially damns the original innocent child. And I, I, I mean, depraved, depraved is the, if you're one depraved, then Constantine is your jam. Yeah. He, he does depraved very well. Indeed, indeed. Uh, on a higher note, uh, what's our next topic? Uh, crap like this. Exactly why I hate portals. Challenged a witcher. Must have had a death wish. Uh, you're, I literally have wrote, written down uh, Kevin's weird game thingy. Oh, Kevin's weird game. <laughs> so uh, why don't you share with everyone what your weird game thingy is? It's, it, well, come on, it's a video game. And so here's, uh, I, I was originally going to write a, a written review of it. But since we started recording, you know, tonight I figured, well, audio review. So Soul Calibur Six came out here on the 19th so uh four days as ago from this recording Uh, i've been playing it since then uh probably logged around don't judge me too much around 14 hours Uh, yeah into it it's uh is it good Yes, it is a very good game. Wait, wait, wait. Start, start by telling me what this is so that oh, I am all right, aware so of what let's, it is. Let's do some history. Uh, Nut, nutshell version. It, it is a uh, Namco uh, fighting game that uh, has a tie-in to the Tekken universe, as in it takes place in the past. Uh, and it was one of the... Back in 1994, when Soul Edge came out in the arcades... Uh, which I put endless quarters in at Flippers in Granville at the Grand Village Mall for you West Michigan listeners. Uh, there's a deep dive for you. Uh, playing it with my friends and stuff there as a as a young ch- as an adolescent, and uh, it then spawned the the Soul Caliber series, which first manifested in 1998 on the Dreamcast. Uh, and we've seen several iterations of the game since then. Uh, this is Soul Calibur VI. Uh, the last Soul Calibur, uh, in, on consoles, uh, was Soul Calibur V, and that was six years ago. Uh, and so it's been a long time, relatively speaking, since there was a, a version of this game. And I will say this. They have done a lot of things. Soul Calibur Five, I didn't. Yeah, I, I mean, I've owned every Soul Calibur game, whether it was on the PSP or you know whatever handheld device, or you know, it, I've owned all of them. And the uh, fifth one was super lackluster in the fact that the single player storyline was very limited. Uh, if you wanted the story, which Soul Calibur was always rich in story because it's so history-based, 
and deals with Western and Eastern influences uh, and the meeting of cultures. Uh, it was only about five hours long. And uh, it's like Namco heard all the complaints about the single player. And they're like, we're going to address that. Not once, not twice, but three times. And so there are there is a mode called uh, uh, the Libre of Soul mode where you create your own character and you uh, go throughout, uh, uh, I think it starts in uh, 1584, and you essentially travel uh, all of, I shouldn't say all of Asia, most of Asia, North Africa, and Europe, and uh, you you know do battles uh, going about the storyline early on in the Soul Calibur series with your own character. Uh, it's I have spent most of my time in it. I'm only on chapter four, and it is insane. It's it's big. It's it's large. There's there's endless variety of things to do. So many side quests, uh, and it's a lot of fun. There's another mode, which is a story mode, uh, that you essentially play through the major battles in the Soul Calibur franchise throughout history, and it's accompanied by a lot of cinematics and all that kind of stuff, and it's something kind of reminiscent of the early arcade mode. And then there's, of course, the single-player arcade mode, which you go through kind of a tier system where, you know, characters that have associations with each other battle it out, and you go through time attacks and all that kind of stuff. Then, of course, there is all the the multiplayer uh, and versus battle aspects of the game. Uh, the mechanics are solid. So if you, if you are, you know, used to of like Tekken controls or soul or any of the original soul caliber games, they'll be, uh, you'll be automatically familiar with them. Uh, some of the additions, of course, like every soul caliber game has a unique new character uh, that comes from outside of the game. So if you remember uh, Soul Calibur 3, back on the original Xbox, PlayStation 2, uh, and Nintendo GameCube, like the GameCube had Link, the uh, Xbox had Spawn, and the PlayStation 2 had uh, Kratos from God of War. Uh, the Soul Calibur 4 had, uh, Yo had, had Star Wars characters, had Yoda you know, and uh, The Apprentice from the Force Unleashed games. Uh, the the new character on this is what should sell it to any gamer that love. and Greg, if you're listening and you don't own this, uh, buy Soul Calibur 6 because you got Geralt of Rivia from the Witcher series. And they've captured his combat style perfectly in this game. It is It is so fluid... It is it is amazing how he incorporates all his signs, all he incorporates his, his essentially magic and stuff into his combat, uh, and switching between swords uh, from a silver sword to a, a steel sword uh, works very very well. Uh, it's it, it is the character I created uses his dynamics and stuff like that, so I'm I'm essentially playing as Geralt all the time. Uh, things that aren't great about the game. Graphically, it doesn't seem impressive to me. Uh, it's, first off, it's not in 4K. So if you're a 4K gamer, you're not going to get any of the HDR. It's just you're sitting at 1080p. Uh, the load times uh, are a bit annoying at times. 
Uh, and the backgrounds aren't 3D rendered, they're painted. Uh, and so uh, you, you, now you have layers of painting and stuff like that in the background, but it's, it's not 3D rendered. It doesn't look that good. Uh, and the character animations are not, honestly, nearly as good as they were six years ago. Whereas if you had, like, Nightmare and, his, uh, and the Soul Edge, where the eye inside of the sword actually looked around and moved and, and like, tracked things, that doesn't happen now. Uh, and we're six years on. We're six years Sorry. on. <laughs> we're six <laughs> years on. And this is something that you would kind of expect kind of a next level visual flair. Uh, that said, I don't think that's enough to ding the game. Uh, I think what, it. What happened there? Because that seems odd to me that that you have six years to create a new game, which originally took you, you said, five hours? To finish? Yeah, yeah, five hours single player. I mean, most of the time, like, in these fighting games, their their main life is spent in arcades for, or, or you know, on, in tournaments and stuff where where they they keep going, their life of the game keeps going on and on where you're playing other people. And, like, the Soul Calibur Five scene died in about a year uh, in Japan and, and even in Korea. It was... It wasn't very well received, despite, I think, having some pretty good fighting mechanics, but nobody really enjoyed the new characters that were introduced. Uh, and it, it blows my mind that you couldn't get better graphics in, I mean, the graphics that I've seen in recent comic book, um, in comic book games, and even stuff like the the Skyrim series, the new stuff is like, holy shit, that I can't tell... I would have to look really, really hard to tell that that is not an actual camera filming someone. It is that good. And yet, here's the thing. Like, I, I even think it's not nearly as good as the last Tekken, you know, game that came How out. How can they get away with that? And the load times being insane, the, uh, even with bad graphics, uh, what, that seems odd to me. And uh, it's you're you're appealing to the devotion of the franchise, but like... Like I said, there's so much content now, single player. Like they went above and beyond in like content wise. Is that where the is that where the money went? Was the content instead of the visuals? I and maybe I uh, like they didn't. And it's, is that it's obviously acceptable to you? For me, is it acceptable? Yes, because it writes a wrong. Like Soul Calibur back in the day, like on Dreamcast, it was the best looking game that existed for years. Like if you wanted, if you were playing a console game, it was it. You know, uh, that was the best fighting game. Period. Uh, even and I'm and I'm even putting Virtua Fighter up there. Uh, but the the fact that they've kind of piddled away at the franchise over the past, uh, you know, well now twenty four years, uh, and it, it's kind of gotten a little bit lackluster in uh, the the kind of visualization whereas like you know Tekken like Namco like Tekken is now their big franchise their big fighting franchise and that's sad because I don't think Tekken's that great there's all these other fighting games out there and we've we've returned to the 2D you know uh fighting game genre and that's that's the most popular 
right now, and I'm I'm partially to blame because like the 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 Blaze Blue series, like uh, at you know uh, Atlas has developed some of the best fighting games in my period ever, like the new Dragon Balls, the Dragon Ball Z uh, uh, fighting game that came out here last year. To me, that's hands down the best 2D fighting game that has existed for a while. And uh, everybody just buys those now. They don't buy the 3D uh, fighting games anymore. And it's like you've kind of seen the death of the franchise. Dead or Alive is like the last Dead or Alive game nobody bought. Like nobody's buying Tekken anymore. Virtua Fighter is all but dead. Uh, and so you now, now Soul Calibur is here to kind of revive the interest in a 3D fighting game. Uh, and sales uh, so far seem to be pretty good. Uh, people are, uh, it's got a lot of good reviews on Metacritic, but it's, when I say good reviews, I'm looking at around. Do you think that it's accomplishing the goal of bringing, bringing it back and making it more popular is, is the, the era in which we live where our generation loves nostalgia? Like, is that what it's trying to capitalize on? Uh, I think it's definitely trying to capitalize on the nostalgia of Soul Calibur players uh, because it literally takes the highest moments of the franchise and and regurgitates them back to you. Uh, It's not... And the story got ridiculous as time went by. Like, uh, the... Well, it was already ridiculous. But the... (laughs) The depth of the game uh, has gotten to a point where... There are stories interlocking with other stories from all these characters across, you know, uh, midi- from medieval Japan to, you know, industrial age Europe. And it just kept getting further and further. And at some point, it's just kind of like, OK, people aren't using swords anymore. You know, we need to we need to kind of move on. Uh, I'm right now. The meta score on, on Metacritic is uh, 83. So 83 out of 100. Uh, and I, I'm going to say that's exactly where I would put it at. I would probably put it at an 8.5 out of 10. Uh, I might actually be convinced to lower it a little bit simply because like graphical quality isn't there. Uh, you know, the, the sound, the music's great. Music's always great. The localization is somewhat wanting. You only have, when you're creating a character, you can only give them so many phrases to say, you know, when you're in battle and stuff like that. While it may be something like 30 to choose from, when when you have them talking, you know, like a dozen times throughout a match, you know, at most, like those phrases will get rather repetitive uh, as time goes by. That said... So overall, overall, good. You're pleased, but it, there's room for improvement. It's a good game. Uh, like... There's no way I wasn't going to buy it, uh, especially since <laughs> Geralt of Rivia is in it. Like, come on. And let me tell you, if when you're playing it and the first time Geralt falls into the Soul Calibur universe through a portal and he fights uh, Mitsurugi, it is amazing. It is it is funny, uh, you know, and there's all these little things that Namco you know, uh, that they were obviously fans of the Witcher series from, uh, you know, uh, CD Projekt Red over in Poland. Like, they, 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 because there's references to Gwent 
in the game, which is a card game that Geralt plays, and him, like, you know, just... And this is just in, like, text, when people are talking to other people, and it's like, yeah, this this weird guy, you know, took me for all I was worth playing cards, and he didn't even know how to play the game, you know, stuff like that, and he tried to, you know, talk to us about this other game. Uh, it's like, that's all in there. And so if you played any of these other games, you're like, look at that. It's like, oh, that's great. That's fantastic. You know, you're appealing to my nerdery. Uh, but for anybody that hasn't played any of the Witcher games, you have no idea. <laughs> yeah, you're just saying words to me. Yeah. I don't know what any of this is. Right now, now, Greg is going crazy. Marvelous, supremely fit. When we sport Nike, we know that we're winning. To chill, act crazy, and stole the ad. Yo, with the view, what kind of shoe would you like to have? What's up on Nike? Nike's hot. I think I said the word. What, Nike? That's right. Now the circles have heard. Now, gaming is, uh, is making some leaps and bounds because uh, didn't somebody get signed? Oh yeah, so somebody got signed as like an athlete or something, didn't they? EA Sports or something crazy? No, uh, Nike, Nike. You know, you know, Nike. Nike, Nike signed a gamer. Yeah, yeah, Nike signed a gamer. So uh, this this is coming from you, uh, coming to you from IGN. Nike endorsement deals are no longer just for traditional athletes. The sporting gear and shoe company has signed Chinese League of Legends player Zhan Zhihao, and he's teaming up with LeBron James for a clever new shirt design. According to sports pro Zhihao, better known as Uzi, uh, if you like watch him on Twitch, uh, will work with James on the, quote, dribble and, end quote, campaign, which will include the phrase dribble and carry on shirts. Get that? The campaign originally began in response to Fox News host Laura Ingram's, quote, shut up and dribble, end quote, comments after James had criticized President Donald Trump. And so uh, this is much in keeping with uh, Nike's support of and promotion of Colin Kaepernick as a, as an athletic icon, dipping into politics and stuff like that. You're, you have Le- LeBron James going in. With now a guy that plays League of Legends for a living uh, and selling shirts, riffing on essentially, uh, you know, right wing darling Laura Ingram. It's a weird time. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a weird time. Like, what is happening? Oh, a gamer gets signed by an athletic wear company. Oh yeah, uh, so and there's politics involved, and like, remember when clothing manufacturers just made clothes? And no. remember when basketball players would like sign a deal and have a special pair of shoes? Like it's it's gotten. Man, I wish everything would just stop being so integrated with each other because it makes things so messy. And granted, when they signed Kaepernick and they released the ads, guess what Nike stock did? Oh, jumped <gasps> up, and, skyrocketed. And, and I mean, I mean, there's a there's a bit of a cynic in you, but there there's this is a been bit? like 
well, let's look at Muhammad Ali. I mean, this has been this has been going on, you know, for nigh on a half a century. You know, this isn't this isn't something new. This is this is a continuation of what has been and you know people people used to just close their ears to it, and now you know that social media and the internet and everything it's like in front of their faces all the time. They're just reacting violently toward it. And well, I mean, it, virtue virtue signaling has become. Um, and for those of you who don't know what virtue signal, signaling is. It's people who wear shirts and memorabilia that basically say, well, I'm saving the planet and you're not. Like that kind of like attitude-y and maybe that's just my own personal take on it. But Well, I am driving um, an electric car and you are not. So stop killing yeah. polar bears. It's when people think that, yeah, yeah, virtue signaling. So I think it's become a lot more subtle. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that people like if I saw somebody walking around with a shirt that was like, this is made of bamboo and you're killing the planet by wearing your cotton outfit that takes so much water to grow. I'd be like, you're a fucking jackass and I don't want to be friends with you because you judge people without even knowing them. Wait, are there bamboo shirts out there that I could buy? Yeah. Oh, I need to look into this. Yeah, there's bamboo there's hemp there's all sorts of stuff it's all fibers just it's just fibers that they break down but anyway um the idea is is that you have a company that has a massive impact on culture and they are essentially backing someone who has their foot in a political ring and is uh, it, it is divisive amongst very high-powered groups. And I'm not saying it's wrong. I mean, companies are people too, didn't you know? Don't you know. The, the problem I have with it is the subtlety of the virtue signaling that basically publicly shames anybody who doesn't agree with them. So, And we had talked about this right before this cast where I said, I have a lot of very unpopular opinions. Mm. Um. Personally, I don't give a shit what you do with your business. If you want to sign Kaepernick, who, you know, takes a knee during the the anthem and wants to make it a political movement, I'm not going to stop you because there's a lot of choices that have been made that have nothing to do with me. And frankly, they don't affect my life. Um, not directly, I guess indirectly they do. But it's, again, we come back to the media where there's this huge media storm about it and you know, you have Nike saying, well, we're going to sign Kaepernick and then they make money off of someone else. And do they have the same ideals? I would hope that they would if they're going to support somebody who is as divisive as Kaepernick. But are they just doing it to make money off of it? Like, are you that sleazy of a company? I don't know. I don't buy Nike stuff. So I'm not going to support that. But when I go to buy a Nike shirt, now when I go oh, it's got nice fabric. I like the fabric. It's it's not cotton, so it's perfect for backpacking and working out. It's going to keep me dry. And Made by Bangladeshi um, children. Made by tiny little hands. How else do you get the stitching so neat? Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, um, for somebody that's self-processed that doesn't seem to you know care about it, you, you're complaining a lot. <laughs> 
my problem is, is that I just want to go buy a fucking shirt. I don't want to look at it and go, oh, God, if I buy this, now I'm supporting all these fucking movements that this company supports. And I don't even know if they actually support them or are they doing it just for the market share price? Is it for the stockholders? Or is it because they actually have some ethics that they're trying to back? And do I agree with those ethics? Because if I don't, then by buying this piece of fabric that I really like and that fits and that is going to give me the – it's a tool to help me accomplish what I want – now everything is like a fucking movement. So, so are and it's you saying overwhelming. ignorance isn't a luxury you can afford anymore? Well, I mean, I was never really ignorant. <laughs> well, it's, no, no, but that, you, you, you self-professed. You, why can't I just buy a shirt without knowing all of these? The only fact is that. No, it's not about knowing it. Why can't they just stay out of it? Oh, but they never, why can't they they just never stay stood out of, out of it before. It's just we're shining a light on it now. Like it, it's you know the yeah, like everybody knew uh, that slavery existed. It wasn't until abolitionists started you know raising a drumbeat up against it that you know the 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 wrongs of the norm could be righted. You know, it, but were companies backing it to make a profit? Oh, that's it's always about it's. I mean, come on, it's capitalism. It's always about it. Well, yeah. When we when you talk about it in a past tense, it's usually like arms manufacturers and banks. Like the only people that Jesus hated, <laughs> those were the people who were getting rich off of the suffering of and a we've, group. And we've gotten to the religion portion of this podcast, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to the Court Woo! Nerds with Sledge and Hammer. Wow, we've uh, we've we hit have, all big five. Doing ethics, theology, and uh, with a slight hint of pop culture in this. Uh, so, why don't why don't why don't we move on to something that's not so divisive? I'm, and well, talk I, about... I was just trying to to say Nike promote Biff so we could get some of that that sweet sweet yeah. what is it virtual sig virtual virtue virtue signaling, signaling money yeah well let, let's get some of that money yeah sign the beardy man ah. he's good at his jobs. But yeah, let's move on to something that's a little bit more light and fluffy. Let's talk about Netflix canceling all of the best shows, but all not really. Not really all the best shows because Iron Fist sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I was so relieved. You know, I've been wondering when it was going to happen because Netflix doesn't really cancel anything unless it's really bad. Season two was enough for Iron Fist. Season one should have been enough for Iron Fist. And they canceled it. And a part of me wonders if they would have had the balls to cancel it before Disney said that they were going to start their own streaming service. Well, and that's just it. Like, you're, why is Netflix going to invest all this money if Disney's just going to take their license and just go, uh, we're putting it all on our own streaming? It's all ours now. Uh, mm-hmm. Netflix is going to look very different two years from now. Well, the future of, of the, like the golden age of streaming is coming to an end. Ooh. You're going to have to have so many subscriptions that you manage. So you either pick, it's already happening. Well, Hulu's got all this stuff. Well, Netflix has better stuff, but I don't really like, uh, some of the stuff they have, you know, you got to decide between the two or you've got to pay for it. So what are you gonna do? Are you gonna you gonna subscribe to Netflix and Hulu and Disney because Disney's 
I can't imagine them leaving all of their stuff up on Netflix. No, they're not. And leaving this whole revenue stream where they just kind of sit back fat, dumb, and happy and go, yeah, let's make some money off of this. This is way better than what we got from Netflix. Well, and and therein lies part of the problem because, you know, people like me uh, and people like Drew, I mean, we're going to pay for the DC uh, Warner Brothers service uh, simply for Young Justice Season 3. I mean, that that sorry, we're going to pay for it. Now, there's going to be other, like, yes, do I want to watch the new Star Trek series? Yeah, but what's going to happen is I'm going to sign up for their free trial for 14 days. I'm going to wait until the entire first season is over, and then I'm just going to, like, use those 14 days to binge watch all of season one of Star Trek Discovery. And now that season two is going to... Good gonna, choice. Yeah, is it, coming out. It's just like, well, shit, now I need to find a different account so I can get their free you know, streaming service again after the season two is, is out there. It's, it's, a, it's those, cause I'm not going to pay for, for CBS. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. I get that free through the, through the, the antenna. Ex- Why would I pay? Well, except you, you don't get the Star Trek, you know, over the antenna. You have to pay for the Star Trek. Oh, they don't even play. They don't no. even show that on TV. No, it's, uh, yeah, nope. Star Trek Discovery not on CBS. Streaming only over the air, only on, on only on their online service. See, I just oh, man, which is a shame. It's really well produced. It's still cheaper than cable, though, man. Like it's still cheaper than cable. Even if you were to buy Netflix, Hulu, and a Disney streaming service, you're still going to be under what a cable bill would cost you. And then there's people like me that still pay for the cable. You know, it's just because, you know, come on. I don't I, even own a TV, man. So <laughs> I'm like, not going to pay for cable. What? Well, I mean, you got to have your sports. You know, you and Drew, man. We Drew and I went to Costco before we sat down to do this. And there was a, a guy there who basically accosted us <laughs> trying to sell us like cable packaging and shit. And I'm like... Bro, if you want to buy me a TV and then we can talk about this, I'm all in. But if you're not going to buy me a TV, you can just save your breath. And <laughs> we just kind of walked away. I'm like, man, they are, they're getting aggressive about bundling. And, oh, man, I'm just, I'm just glad that I can go, I don't want what you're selling. I choose not to participate. <laughs> Leave me alone. I don't want to have to have all of these services that are recurring subscriptions and that this one only has this much and that one only has these few things. By the end of it, it's like I, it's like a balancing act just to sit down and watch a half hour of television. I'd rather just not watch it. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the consumer uh, you know, uh, reports portion of the Court of Nerds. Uh, if you have any feelings on uh, cable packages and streaming services, feel free to write us. And me and Stacy will talk endlessly about things uh, that uh, apply not to any pop cultural topics, which said podcast is supposed to entail. Mm-hmm. Now, the one that I'm upset about is uh, Luke Cage. They canceled Luke Cage, those bastards. So I'm hoping that it continues on Disney's um 
streaming, streaming service. service. Now, Daredevil is out. Season three is out. Mm. Uh, chances are great that that'll probably be the last one through Netflix. Yeah. Uh, Jessica Jones. Yeah. I haven't heard anything about Jessica Jones yet. That one's still up in the air. Am I missing any? Daredevil. Uh, no. Iron Fist. I think it's just the four, isn't it? Yeah. There and there's the. Yeah, as far as on the Netflix, yeah, that's it. On the Netflix? On the Netflix. You are so old. Oh, my God. Uh, yes, that is that is precisely... Accurate? Yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> let's wrap this up. Let's put a bow yeah, on Yeah, you this. got anything yeah. else? Uh, well, it's. I mean, it's been more than 15 minutes, so we should probably yeah. Yeah. close it out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm not uh, hosting. Are we just going to stare at each other? I'm not hosting. <laughs> I, you, you trailed off. All right. Um, follow us if you haven't already. Uh, we've got... What, why are you looking at me like that, man? Reverse Centaurs. Um, oh, God. What else do we got? That's so Braven. Braven. Got the main cast. Which uh, is what this is right now. Yeah, which is what we're on. Not Sludge and Hammer. Oh, yeah, we got Sludge and Hammer, too. Can't forget about that. Can't forget to plug our own thing. Jesus. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm Stacy. Uh, I'm Kevin. And uh, we'll see you next time, folks. <laughs>